Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Welcome all of you watching online again. Thank you for joining us. And uh, those of you who will be watching a podcast or YouTube this week, thank you for sharing a little bit of time with us. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess... My mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're so glad all of you chose to come out on this gusty Oklahoma morning and uh, spend a little time with us. It's always a pleasure to have you as a preacher. Let me just say thank you for listening. There's nothing worse than uh, having a stage with nobody in the crowd, so and we're glad you're here. Well, for those of you who missed last week because you were home interceding, uh, I'll bring you up to speed on this new series called Our Pathway to His Promises, or Our Passages to His Promises. God has, the Bible says, the footsteps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, or the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Now, we know that we can get out of order, that we don't have to follow God. He's not a dictator uh, or a mandator. <laughs> Love that word today. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to bless us when we go our own way, but he's going to always love us when we go our own way. That uh, never changes, and God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, the love that he had for you uh, at conception, he still has today when you're not serving him. Now, uh, I, sometimes people think God's mad at them. You know, I don't serve him. I don't go to church. God's not mad at you. God loves you, and he'll always be wooing you uh, into a relationship with himself. So we all set goals, and we all, uh, at the, the beginning of a year, and we all say, you know, I want things to be different this year than last year or previous years. And there's that old saying that insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. So we all say, I don't want to be insane. I want different results, so I'm going to have to do some things differently. So we begin to sit, set goals and, you know, uh, lay things out and and that's great. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Without a vision, we perish, and those things give us vision. But how do I get to those goals? That, that's really what I want to address or started addressing last week. How do we get there? Well, sometimes we get so focused on our goals, which is really cool, but when you get so focused on your goals, oftentimes we forget and lose sight of other people. We lose sight of God's involvement in those goals and what His role is in those goals, or if we even allow him to be a part of those. And so we have to be very careful that those goals don't become our gods and that, that we begin, begin to put everything else aside and say, you know, uh, I'll run over anybody who gets in my way between where I am and where I want to be. And, and sometimes people get that way because they're just really tired of living the way they've lived and experiencing what they've experienced. 
So what I did last week is I'll recap it for you. I said there are four things that we need to remember as we move forward in this year. Number one is that we need to establish this, that I will worship God weekly in my church. Now, that sounds self-serving as a pastor, but listen to me. This discipline is the beginning of really enjoying a relationship with God. It doesn't mean you're not saved if you're not here every week or that you're not going to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you put God first at the first of the week, it makes the rest of the week better. And, uh, you know, to me, when, when we say, well, you know, I understand grace and God loves me, that's great. I'm so happy you do. Uh, it's not a question of how much God loves us, but it may be a question of how much we love God. Because if I really love my spouse, I look forward to going home. If I really love God, I, I really look forward to going to his house. Now, there's all kinds of theological debates that, that open up when I talk like this, and I get that, but I'm the only one with a microphone. So, what I really wanted to press in is after a pandemic, many people began to make church an option, uh, just like maybe going to a basketball game, going golfing. It was just another place to go to be entertained or be around other people. And, and the reality is this is nothing like golf, nothing like fishing, nothing like any other kind of entertainment. This is about an experience where in his presence is fullness of joy and that he inhabits the praises of his people, plural. Uh, to me, church is very, very important. So that, to me, is the beginning of everything. God, I'm, I'm putting you first. I'm not going to put my goals first, my dreams first. I'm going to put you first. The second thing I said was that this year that I'm committing to obey God daily. Now, trust me, this is a big, big commitment because if I were to tell you I obey him every day, I'd just flat out be lying. I hope that doesn't disappoint you. Uh, but, you know, I want to obey him every day. I try to obey him every day, but every now and then my flesh just decides, nah, I don't think so. Any of you ever had that? Just <laughs> Now, I think I want to go off on somebody today. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And, uh, you know, it's a hormonal shift. I don't know what it is. But, you know, uh, it's one of those things you just have to make a commitment that when, when you want to do things your way and, and, and God says, you know, love your neighbor, and you go, no, I want to reach out and slap my neighbor, you know, honor and respect your boss. No, I want to choke him or her, you know, because those, those thoughts come. You know, they do. And, and, and the devil will convince you that because those thoughts come, you're a very bad person. It's when you act on those thoughts that really gets bad. It's called assault and battery. And so, <laughs> you know, we really need to be cautious with those thoughts lest they manifest. And so, but, but if I commit to say, God, today, I'm going to get up and obey you. That means that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to exercise grace and mercy. You know, I'm going to help others. I, I'm, I'm going to do unto others as I'd have them do unto me. That's the kind of commitment I'm talking about. Because when you do that, uh, that, then it makes it a lot easier for the goals that you have and the dreams you have. It, it makes it easier for God to get involved with those. Because you're not doing it in the flesh. You're honoring him. And then the third thing I said was, this year, I'm going to love ferociously. That means extreme. You know, it's easy to love people, the Bible says, who love you. It's really not difficult. It's the people that hate your guts. And you're probably sitting there thinking, nobody hates my guts. Oh, give me time. 
If I go Columbo on you, I can find 10 people that, that would love for you to be dismissed. That's mafia code talk. And, and so that means that no matter what happens, I'm going to love. Because love never fails. And God has commanded that we love each other. Matter of fact, he said, if you don't love each other, you don't even love him. You don't even know him. And so love is very paramount to, to achieving, not only achieving the dream, but enjoying the dream once it's achieved or hitting the goal once you attain that goal. And, and then the fourth thing I said, and this will, this will give you just a little bit of a buzz, uh, and, and, and this will give you an opportunity to get mad and before service is over, get happy again. But all of these are biblical mandates. And the fourth one is that this year, I will give my tithes and offerings generously. Now, please understand when I say this, I'm not trying to be mean because I'm old enough now to love everybody, and, and I do, even though I think some people are sabotaging their own future and dreams by disobeying what the Bible says to do. But many people think that if you, you know, you, you, let's just make it easy. You make $100 and you give a dollar. It's called tipping. It's not the entree. And so, you know, 10%, tithe 10%. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There might be meat in my house. And see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. You won't have room enough to contain it all. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So, now, with that said, even if you don't tithe, I love you. And, 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 and it will change everything for you. Uh, you know, my daughter married a really guy I really like. Uh, which is really unusual for any dad to say. But uh, she got married about 12 years ago, and he's from Miami. And Miami is, anyway. <laughs> and she moved there, and he grew up there. His mother was, uh, is Cuban. His dad is full-blown Colombian bullfighter. And uh, that's where they came to America. That's where they planted, and then they had their children. And she had said, Dad, I hate it here, but she stayed the course. And, you know, I brought my kids up to tithe and, and taught them to tithe and how to give and how to manage money And when they were very young. Well, about a year ago, she decided to start tithing to Mosaic. She told me she did, and I, I checked up on it. Um, <laughs> and so, sure enough, and I was like, wow, where are you getting this money? Because I know what they make, and they own a home, and, but they're not, you know, they're not loaded. But she said, Dad, there were times when I started tithing that we just didn't have it, but I did it anyway. And she called me the other day, and she said, I believe that my obedience to give generously to God when we didn't have it is the reason I get to move back to Oklahoma March 1st. Come on, Jesus. She couldn't convince her husband years for years to leave Miami. He's a Miami Dolphins fan, a Miami Heat fan. He's just, you name it. But now, God worked it out to where he hates it, and he's ready. See, she didn't have to get on him all the time. Women, listen to me. Men are rebellious by nature. You start telling us what to do, we're going to do the opposite unless you pray. Uh, yeah, thank you. And so, she decided, I'm not going to say anything bad about me. I'm just going to start tithing. And guess what? I don't have to go to Miami to see my grandkids anymore. 
Dear God. I mean, Miami is the last stop before hell. <laughs> and all of you watching from Miami, no apologies. <laughs> now, the reality is that it changes everything. So now she understands, and she's always understood, and it's so good. She said, Dad, I don't even worry anymore. She said, it's the strangest thing. And I said, I've taught you, if you'll bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, you don't have to worry. Yeah. 32.8. Okay, so, so that, that was last week. Now, what we need to realize is the, what influences us is, believe it or not, what we hear more than anything. So the minute you set a goal, and I often tell people this, don't tell the wrong people what you want to achieve. Because they will want you to come down to their standard and stay there so they'll criticize you. It'll never work. It'll never happen. You'll never make it. In 1989, I felt like God told me to run across America for the unborn. And, and uh, little, I thought it was a real brave thing to do. I didn't think it was real smart, but I thought I'm going to obey God. And so in 1990, I started telling people, you'll never make it, you'll never do it. And so I started training and training, and I, would be, I worked up to running 20 miles every day. And, and uh, finally, right before I was getting ready to leave, I was training with a Boston Marathoner. If, what you may not know about Boston Marathon, you can't just enter the Boston Marathon. You have to qualify for it. If you don't reach a certain time, they won't let you run. So I started training with these people who were ridiculous, and they were killing me every day. It was just ridiculous. And one of them was a doctor, and so she became my trainer. And so the day before I was leaving, I said, Doc, do you think I can make it? She said, nah, I don't know. <laughs> We've been training for six to nine months now. And so what I'm saying is sometimes those voices get in your head, and I thought, well, it's too late to back out now. We're all publicized. We got a meeting at the White House. When we get there, we, got, we, get, we get to go to the, you know, we had all kinds of things set up. We had a public relations person, and I guess they just assumed we'd make it or die, and maybe they would have a memorial in the White House. I don't know. So, and so anyway, what I'm saying is I needed people that would believe in me, even though it was an unbelievable task. And there were days we ran 17 miles, 28 miles. One day we ran 42 miles. It, it, was, it was unbearable. I dropped on, uh, you know, Thornton Mountain, Thornton Mountain in West Virginia. I thought I was going to die. I thought, I, I've done all this for nothing. I collapsed. There was another day my Achilles heel was swollen so bad that I had to tighten it up just to even barely make it. What I'm saying is this. It was a ridiculous goal, but God said do it, and I obeyed him, and I made it. And so... And it wasn't, I raised money, gave it all away. I raised money for, for women in crisis pregnancy, gave every bit of the money away. Anything I raised. Steve Largent was a part of it, you know, the wide receiver for the Seahawks from Tulsa. Uh, many others got involved with it. And, and so what we had, what I had to realize in that moment was God will ask us to do some things that seem ridiculous or start a business. And you go, well, how are we going to do that? Never done that before. But you do it. And you know what? You believe in it, and you can't listen to the voices around you because the voices will contaminate God's choices. And so when somebody starts talking down, it doesn't mean you get mad at them. Just look and say, you know what? I'm not mad at you, but, you know, I'd really appreciate it if, and this would be Berry Hill where I grew up, shut up. Or just don't say anything. Or, or encourage me. 
you know, do something. But your voices, the voices you listen to, will, will determine the future you possess. Why? Because then you will start thinking about what you hear. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you begin to think that you can't, you probably won't. You have to get up every day. And if nobody else is speaking and breathing life into your vision or your dream, you speak life into it. You see, many years ago, and, and please don't perceive this as arrogant at all. As a matter of fact, it's very humbling. That many years ago, I had the opportunity to preach all over the world. Everywhere from Cape Town, South Africa, to Hillsong in Sydney, Australia. And let me tell you, the crowds there were like the thunder. And, and so, and then, then in Melbourne, I would fly to Melbourne and preach at Planty Shakers. And be in London and, and, and preach at Westminster Chapel. Been, I'm fortunate to be in these places. And, and it, it became so routine that I think I probably lost sight of what was really happening. And, and so when my life collapsed uh, in 2014, and it looked like my world was over. As a matter of fact, a friend called me. I said, my life is over as I've known it. And uh, I, I just really felt that. And, and, and I think I, I didn't in that moment understand what God could do with a broken man or a broken person. And, you know, I talked about it. I preached about it. But now I had to live it. And so when we started Mosaic, trust me, you talk about humility. Start in a wedding venue with chiffon hanging over your head. I'm a man. I'm trying to preach manly messages, moving rocks and boulders and fighting the fight. And a warrior under chiffon and a chandelier. Trust me, it took every ounce of faith every Sunday morning to come up and, and not act like Tinkerbell. And I, I had to listen to the one voice that said, I've called you back to the city where you fell. It, I'm just telling you, I was criticized. I, 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 I mean, I heard things that, that were very hurtful. And, and I, I had to, in my mind, I had to go back to the Bible. Because let me tell you all something. The Bible is the foundation for your future. And one guy said, he should never preach again. I thought, well, let me go to the Bible. The Bible says his gifts and callings are without repentance. They're irrevocable. You didn't call me, so you don't get to determine what I do. And furthermore, don't you think when God called me, he knew I'd be stupid somewhere down the line? He didn't look and say, this guy's good for life. Nah, I see a place where there's going to be a potential glitch. But eeny, meeny, miny, mo, I think I'll go ahead and pick Mark Crow. And so that's what he did. I didn't pick me. My goodness, I would have never picked me. Like the kid on the playground that always got picked last, that would have been me. But, but I had to listen to the voice of God to make the choice of God. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. I kept remembering my steps are ordered. I've been bought with a price. I don't belong to myself. I can't make my own decisions. If I want to be blessed, I have to listen to him. And here's the last challenge. Not only the voice, but as you think, 
And believe it or not, whatever you meditate on will get in you, and it will move you. So you have to meditate on the right things. And so there are oftentimes I'll wake up at 2 in the morning, and I'm just telling you, it's like the devil somehow found access into my life or my room. And I have to begin to rethink the things that I wake up thinking, like you're worthless, this is, what about this, what about, any of you ever have that weird stuff happen, or am I the only one, where you just wake up in the middle of the night, and you're going, I didn't invite you here, how many of you know the devil, just, he doesn't ever need invitations, he's an idiot, he just comes anyway, so then, 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 the, then what he does after you, you hear voices, and, and you're thinking, is you start looking at your past, and, and, and the past, not only the voices and choice, the past will keep you from your future. If you hang on to what was, you'll never grab hold of what can be. And so uh, that's the reason I, I wrote in my journal, and I'm going to start reading these to you at some point, but there are seven one-inch binders of 365 days of writing, and one of those I declared, God, if you ever did call me to start a church again, I would name it Mosaic because it would be a bunch of fragmented people put together to make a beautiful picture of your redeeming nature. And so if you're absolutely perfect today and you've never been broken, you are in the wrong church. You will not like this church and you will not like me because I'll say things from here nobody else going to be saying. I don't say that boastfully, but I'm telling you, if we're going to reach the next generation, they are a no-B generation. S. And some of you will be offended by that, but it is what it is, because I'm going to tell you, we're not going to reach them with all the Christianese that we can muster up. If there ain't cussing in our lobby, Jesus may leave the house. You're still processing that one, aren't you? No, listen, we have become way too distant and separated from a world that needs to know the love of God right where people are. Expecting people to change. When I got saved, I had Peter Frampton hair. I went to a church that I thought would probably hang me. This is when I had long, curly hair. Now I have almost none. It's like... My, I told you all, my grandson, I was, I was in Seattle with him, and he said, Pops, where's your hair? I said, you got it. I said, I donated it to you before you were born. I said, Jesus, just give him my hair. So, we all need people to speak in our life. Great story I just heard recently. Uh, Charles Barkley was breaking into the NBA when he was really young. Moses Malone had been there for a long time. And those of you who are not into basketball, just follow the story. So Moses Malone, rather than seeing Charles as a young competition who might want to take, you know, his role or take his popularity, took Charles under his wing. And when Charles came into the league, he was way overweight. (laughs) He still is today. Uh, I like Charles, by the way, and I've had the privilege of sharing some time with Shaq. And and it's been a a wonderful thing to get to know some people that I really like. And, and, And Charles comes into the league, Moses Malone takes him under his wing, and Moses says, Charles, I think you can be a Hall of Famer, but you need to lose some weight. He said, you need to lose, t- you need to lose 10 pounds. And so Charles said, okay, because Moses was really, really a hero. And so Charles, sure enough, Charles loses 10 pounds. And uh, 
they had a celebration. Moses said, let's celebrate. Well, Moses in his mind knew this wasn't enough. So Charles says, what do we do now? He said, you need to lose 10 more pounds. Charles goes away, works out, loses 10 more pounds. Comes back, celebration. 20 pounds better. You're doing awesome, Charles. Is everything good? He said, no, you need to lose 10 more pounds. This went on until Charles finally lost 80 pounds. After every 10-pound segment, they celebrated. They, 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 they rejoiced in what had happened. And Charles said to Moses, why didn't you just tell me I need to lose 80 pounds up front? He said, because you'd have never made it. You see, you don't eat an elephant except by one bite at a time, or you'll never eat the whole elephant. And, and so you have to break things down. Take steps. Don't don't get mad when it doesn't happen overnight. When I was first introduced to prayer, I didn't know anything about prayer. I was introduced to prayer uh, by a, a guy that the pastor many years ago, and I started trying this prayer thing. He said, get up every morning at 5 a.m. He said, if you pray, give God the first of every day. You can golf or do whatever you need to do the rest of the day. You're giving God the first. I thought, this is great. So I went into my closet at 5 a.m., and I woke up at about 5.55 You remember when you were in grade school and you fell asleep on your desk and there was drool? That was my prayer life. And, and it, it really wasn't happening well. But I just kept going at it. Because I was, but, but what he tried to get me to do was pray an hour every day. I couldn't pray a minute. I mean, I was trying. I mean, try having a conversation. I mean, some of y'all can't even talk to your spouse for five minutes. Much less God who you cannot see. And so we feel condemned. We just quit. I, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't want to pray. I don't even give enough. No, listen to me. The Bible actually, the greatest statement of all is pray without ceasing. While you're driving, pray. While you're walking, while you're getting dressed, pray. Don't just, uh, I mean, it's wonderful. If you want to spend an hour with God and you're that, do that. But, but the reality is somebody who's really, really religious, who really cares more about prayer than the God they're praying to because prayer has now become their God. Which became my case. I look. I, I got when I finally started staying awake forty-five minutes and only sleeping ten. It was nothing short of supernatural. But what happened was I turned it into a God itself. I pray every day. I get up at five and pray for an hour. I didn't care about having a relationship with God anymore. I just wanted to be better than the next Christian. Don't get loud on me now, because none of y'all have ever done that. And so I could have been talked out of praying at all, but I decided I was going to press through and pray. So what I would say to you is give God that time, whatever time you can give him. Trust me, he's going to be there. He's going to be there all day and all night. He's never going to leave you. And you don't have to use King James language. I can't speak King James. I speak hillbilly. Yo, dude, hey, God, can I get some help up in here? In Jesus' name. See, sometimes we treat God like, like he's all dressed up in a tuxedo and that we have to approach him like we're at a fancy dinner when in reality God became man in the person of Jesus who became a carpenter with nails stuck in his hand before nails were stuck in his hand and splinters and dirty and that's who Jesus was. Why? He wanted to identify with mankind. He didn't come 
in a silk robe. He didn't come on a white horse. Now, he's coming back like that. But he was laid on hay in a manger in a dusty, filthy little barn, if you will, to identify he would have attended Mosaic Church. He would have been the best usher I had. But we've made Jesus into some porcelain icon, and the next generation ain't buying it, and I hope they don't. And we have been so wrong in so many ways how we have told people you got to wear your hair a certain way, you got to dress a certain way, you got to do this, you got to do that to get God's attention. No, all you have to do is follow where Jesus went when he was on the earth, and trust me, it wasn't the synagogue. And it wasn't the temple. He was in places where people were on beaches. Come on, Jesus. I'm going to try to finish on time today, so i got another story for you. Now, you don't want to miss next week. I'm, I'm going Paul Harvey on you. you got to come next week for the rest of the story. And if you're too young to know who Paul Harvey is, I apologize, but he was the coolest dude. He left you hanging every day on his radio show. This is Paul Harvey. Tune in tomorrow for the rest of the story. (laughs) Israel was in a wilderness. They left Egypt. God delivered them. They could have been in the promised land within two weeks or so, theologians say. But because of their humanity, they end up, as we know, 40 years in, in the wilderness, finally, before they get to the promised land. But here's the point. During that time, their clothes didn't wear out. God took care of that, and he provided manna along the way. But as they started getting closer, God, manna was like a wafer. that It it fell on the ground every night. They got up in the morning. They would go out, and they would eat the manna. He said, don't store any for tomorrow. It'll go bad, and some did, and it went bad. But what he was saying is, I'll be your provision every day. But then as time went on, God saw that they needed to grow, and he said, I'm going to start bringing quail. And he brought just tons of quail. And they didn't even have to have a 20-gauge or 12-gauge. They're just falling on the ground, and the quail are going, here I am. I used to quail hunt, so I know how nasty that is. And, and, and so they, God said, you're going to have to clean them, and you're going to have to cook them. This was a change. And sometimes to make the dream come true and to get to where you want to be, you have to change in order to get to the dream. I mean, wouldn't it have been cool if they just said, and some of them I'm sure said, well, we don't want to do that. Just keep bringing the wafers. It's good stuff. But he said, no, no, no. The meat is going to be better and better for you, and I want you to begin to grow and and join me in the process of getting to the promise. Now, next week, I'm going to get to the sermon I've been trying to get to for two weeks. Thank you. The story of Rahab. Some of you never heard about Rahab, but Rahab ended up being a part of the line of Jesus you see in the New Testament. But, but Rahab wasn't your conventional woman. It's funny how God takes people that we wouldn't even invite to our house, and he, saw, he thinks, I'm going to make them a part of the lineage of Jesus, my son. Now, Rahab back in the day, according to Hebrews chapter 11, she's identified. Now, the, the Bible is so nice. But it's, it's written during a time where, you know, it was understood at that time that she was called a prostitute. Now, that doesn't sound too bad. I mean, it's kind of a fancy, you know, today it might be escort. 
But really, the reality is, Rahab was a hooker. Yeah, you're shocked. But you got to bring this into where we're living today. That's what she would be called. And why? Because it makes it just a little nastier than what it sounded like. And it was. You got to understand, though, you, next week I'll tell you some statistics that might help. See, we lose compassion for people like Rahab. She ain't nothing but a cheap dime store hooker. You won't hear this preached anywhere in America or around the world. Thank all 5% of you for getting excited about that. I expect to thank God it ain't happening again. But God decides to choose a woman who's not only a prostitute. What we don't understand is why she was a prostitute. It wasn't like in first grade the teacher said, what do you want to be? I think I want to be a hooker. Never happens. Not one kid in the history of education, academia has ever said, you know, I think I want to do this for a living. What drove her was she lived in the, on the side of the Jericho wall. And the, the reason people lived on the wall, those were the first people if it's ever attacked, they're going to be the first ones killed. That meant they were poor. So theologians say she lived in a very impoverished side of Jericho, which was the last city to fall before Israel would get to their promise. And God decides he needs them to spy it out. Guess where they go? They don't go to the executives of that day, the corner office guys. They go to the house of a woman who lives on the wall because she's poor. She can't make a living, so she figures out, I've got one thing going for me, my body and I'll sell this to make a living. I don't think Rahab wanted to be that person, just like I didn't want to be the person I was or the person you've been. You didn't want to be that, but somehow you acted out that way, and God said, I'm not finished with you. Everything I called you to do, I'm still calling you to do, and I will never quit on you. And so if God... It's not going to give up on you. And God's not going to give up on your dream because he put it there. How dare us give up on what God deposited in us? I came back to a city where I fell. It wasn't my choice. I blame God every day. Oh, you want me to go back and stand in front of people who hate my guts? who talk bad about me, and I'm not, hey, I don't want any pity, man. Listen, I'm happy. I'm standing up here in front of y'all, and this place will be filled multiple times before it's said and done, not because I need the people, but because God needs to show himself strong through a fallen, broken man who he knew was going to be stupid. <laughs> and show the world he uses broken people. Because that's what mosaic is, a bunch of broken pieces of people coming together to make a beautiful picture of God's redemption. Our pathway to his promises is not always smooth. It's not always easy. It doesn't come with people always encouraging your next step, believing in the promises that you believe in. My daughter told me Saturday, I closed with this, she said, Dad, you got to understand, my daughter was the worst of all my kids. I hope it's okay I say that, honey. <laughs> she and I have always been very tight. And she said, Dad, she said, I, you know, she was rough, man. I thought, this girl's never going to make it. 
But she got so tapped into God a few years back again. And she said, Dad, I can see my house in Oklahoma. I can see it being built. I, I mean, she's, I'm sitting there going, that's my kid. I did something right. Here I go start taking credit for something only God could do. Look at me, God. Super dad. But the next few weeks, you're not going to want to miss this because there are so many of you that, that have, for the first time or maybe numerous times, you've set goals and vision for your life and you've quit. And I don't want you to feel condemned over that. We've all quit on stuff. But this year, why don't we make it different? Why don't we fight through things? When, when things are down, we were, look, I didn't even think this church would be open after the pandemic. I mean, it was so tragic. And, but I woke up every day and said, God, I'll give it my best. And I expect you to do the rest. And now I'm declaring we'll have a 1,000 people here, that we'll have more people than we ever thought we could have. I am confessing and declaring, God, this is where we're going. My heart has always been for the lost. I started my ministry on the streets of New York and New Orleans, not just started. I, I would go there and witness, and I, the streets of downtown Tulsa, I, I didn't have a platform to preach. So I figured sidewalks at 2 in the morning were a pretty good platform. I never forget going to the Mardi Gras, preaching the gospel at the Mardi Gras on the streets and going to prisons in, in West Palm Beach, Florida with, with guys in the hardcore prisons. And it were no place people wanted to go, where Jesse's been going for 25, 30 years. And, uh, you know, that's not places people are lined up going, hey, I want to come in. No, you don't want to go in. It's rough. You see things. You, you experience things. It's a tough place. Thank you, Jesse. I applaud you. I appreciate you. So we're just a bunch of people doing the best we can, and, and I want you to be a part of that. Make a commitment this year. I'm going to be in worship once a week because that's all we do. I'm going to obey God every day. I'm obeying God daily, worshiping once a week, weekly. I'm loving ferociously, and I'm going to tithe and give offerings generously. If you'll live by those four principles, I promise you when your dream comes true, you're going to rejoice, and everybody around you is going to rejoice, and they're always going to be naysayers. I can't believe it. I believe God gives us permission to go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but again, we got to stay happy and real and focused and press on, Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're an awesome God. We appreciate you so very much. And I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am that you've even given me one chance, much less multiple, multiple chances. God, I thank you for everybody in this place, everybody watching online, everybody watching on podcasts. I thank you, God, that you promised you would never leave any of us. You would never forsake any of us, no matter where we come from, where we've been. You love us, God. Now, may we return that love to you by surrendering our lives our gifts, our talents, our dreams, surrendering those things to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, those of you that have never accepted Christ, those of you that say, I need to make a new commitment to Christ, whatever that might be, we're going to pray a prayer right now. It's going to make a huge difference. And I, I want to ask you to do me a favor. 930 was really off on this. They were really quiet. They prayed like they were in some kind of 
uh, I can't use a name, but some kind of church doesn't pray loud. When I pray, I want to ask you to respond equally. Don't be ashamed of the people around you. If they think you're getting saved, then God bless them. But let's join in with those who say, I'm timid. I don't want people to know I'm a sinner. I don't want to, I don't want to, look, man, it's okay. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. So pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare today, I am forgiven. Amen. You are great. Those of you watching online, if you prayed that, we know you're somewhere where you can't do this. But text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Do it right now with your name. Just text SAVED to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.